Hello. <clears throat> Welcome to episode 56 of the Movie Schmovie podcast. Wow. We've come that voice you just heard is Ronald. <laughs> and that's John. And I'm Steve. And uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of movies today. A lot of the big Christmas release films that came out either just before Christmas or right on Christmas. Yep. Um, which we've kind of been trying to get our asses into the theater to see. And the reason we decided to talk about three is because, you know, some of us saw some, some of us didn't see the others. So right. we're going to just catch them all and mm-hmm. try to let you know what we thought of them. Um, are we going to talk with the one that I saw first, right? Oh, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's probably one of the ones that I have the least to say about. Mm-hmm. And being the only one that saw it, um, I'm going to mention Les Mis. <clears throat> uh, Tom Hooper's, uh, I guess, telling of the classic Victor Hugo novel, the, mu- the musical that most people are aware of. Um, a lot of people probably have heard of it recently. Anne Hathaway is being talked about a lot because of her performance and with Oscar nominations and the film in general has. But um, if anything in the movie beyond like the technical categories, mm-hmm. like costume or set design, makeup, things like that, um, I probably would say she's the only conversation that I would really have with the movie. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that seems to be the main thing that people are yeah. talking about in a positive light. Yeah, her. I think I think she whether you like her or not and a lot of friends that I talked to about it and even that I saw it with. It's like half and half. I wasn't even aware of this. Like some people like find her really annoying and just don't like Anne Hathaway, which I actually love her. Um, I think she's super entertaining and I, I can see her on Funny or Die, like cussing with Sam Jackson and just having a blast. And then I can see her on, like on 2020 having like a really serious interview, like that balance. <clears throat> I think I think is really interesting. She mm-hmm. strikes me as a pretentious person. I, I don't disagree with that. Kind of heady, like... <clears throat> I was going to say, a... she reminds me of kind of, in the best and worst way, sort of like a theater girl. Yeah. yeah oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that, like, <clears throat> when you... You know, usually that, that comes with a lot of talent and a lot of, like, ability to right, kind of control right. how they come off. Uh, she plays Fantine in the film, and I don't know. Like, I think... Her musical numbers, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if she if you saw her host the Oscars, again, I say she's super entertaining. And she has a really good voice. I mean, and, and her musical numbers are are some of the highlights of the film. Um, I would say Hugh Jackman, actually, again, same conversation. I'd say I really like Hugh Jackman in general. I think mm-hmm. he's really entertaining. Um, and I actually think he's really, really good in the movie. I don't think it's like an award caliber thing. Do they show I, his huge Ackman? <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have missed. I might have blinked. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But uh I almost feel like you were kind of mentioning before we, we started recording that, like he, the word part of it is about Tom Hooper's direction is maybe it was overdirected a little bit. And that's some of the moments that maybe the characters could have went a little further with. I think he probably is one of the characters that suffers most from it in the mm-hmm. film. Um, Cause you really, I mean, I was really engaged by him the whole time, even, even at moments where I almost got annoyed by the scene that he may have been in or the number that he was in. And I think that's more of a, I guess a conversation towards the directing of the film more so than his performance. Um, some of the musical numbers are fun. Are Sasha- you a fan of the material coming into it? Yeah, I, yeah, I was. I mean, you know, and I I haven't seen the musical on Broadway or anything, but I've seen versions of it here in in Baltimore throughout my life. And I mean, you know, I've seen other versions of the film. Not to say that I've ever been a huge fan of any of the film versions. Yeah. And I would say this holds true with this one. Um, I think overall I was pretty underwhelmed with it. I, I did not like it. Um, I wouldn't say that I regretted seeing it or wouldn't really recommend it to people because some people that are, are really big fans of it probably would still really enjoy it. Um, my biggest gripe, hands down, of the film is, is Russell Crowe. Um, mentioning Anne Hathaway, you know, vocal talents, Hugh Jackman as well, um, Amanda Seyfried, um, Eddie Redmayne, like basically everybody else in the movie. Pretty impressive. And Russell Crowe, not at all. <laughs> not Like, it literally, it felt like it, he was like the jock that tried out for the school musical kind of thing. I dare you to say that to his face. Never. Right. If a telephone <laughs> is near, I will not say that to him. I think through what you're saying and watching um, Man with the Iron Fist, he kind of dials it in sometimes. I can't, it's weird. It's no, like, I love Russell Crowe. They think I, he's I, great, but, but there's I think, something about. I think that in this, it always seemed a little odd, but then I thought, doesn't he have like a, He's got like a folk rock band. Well, that's or what I'm something. saying. He's got like so a, it's like I thought. Well, he's got the, like thirty man, thirty feet of grunt or thirty yeah. men of grunt. Yeah, whatever. Thir- thirty odd foot of grunt. There I goes. think is what it's called. But either way, it's you like have the CD. Don't it's you? It's one of those. Well, <laughs> <laughs> on vinyl, got yeah, the limited right. edition. Um, the uh, the thing about that, his music career always kind of struck me as of a piece with like Billy Bob Thornton's music career, which is just maybe there's some legitimate talent there. I mean, clearly if you write songs and you play enough chords to to, to front a band, mm. you've got a certain base level of musical talent. Right. 
but there's a lot you can get away with in a rock band that maybe is not going to serve you uh, mm-hmm. in a musical where where the technical requirements are a lot are a lot uh, a lot of solos higher yeah and the music can kind of. <laughs> But I was willing to believe that because he's a talented actor that he would be able to bring something to it. But everybody has said he was miscast. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just weird, though, because as soon as, like, the, the, the first musical number that he's in with Hugh Jackman, um, it's just it actually was uncomfortable for me, like, right away. <laughs> like, because it, it's just his voice does not fit at all. Like, you know, it, it's it's got a it's got a grit to it, you know, like that, rock, you know, you were just mentioning, like, that rock sound to it almost. Yeah. And, you know, and you can tell that he's almost, like, He's almost. It sounds like he's almost talking the lines at to, at times when he really can't match the, the 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 tone or the you know what what is required of that line. And like especially like reading more into you know the this uh, coverage about how a lot of the vocal scenes were actually filmed live when the director was making the film. Like he. Actually, yeah, I was going to ask. Did that add anything or? I, I I think it did actually. But I mean, with him, I can't. I I would never believe. Like there. I mean, you know that in in post production they go in and touch all this stuff up and sure. whatnot. But I mean, I would feel like with him, there's like no way he sang live. Like, did you just, know about that aspect? It just that, looks no. very odd. Well, like instead of having you typically when you have a movie musical, mm-hmm. you have the pre-recorded vocals piped in and everyone's lip syncing. Right, right. But in this, the uh, the understanding I have yeah, is no, that the right. vocal performances it. you're hearing in the film were actually acted on the set at the oh, time, wow. so it was all sort of acted and performed as though they were doing it on a stage in that moment, right? Jeez. You know, so I mean, and obviously, as Steve that said, takes a lot of talent. Th- th- I'm sure they're still going in and fixing a few yeah, things yeah. and tweaking it. No, it definitely adds to the film. I think in in the you know the emotion you see, you know, the physical body, you know, how they're moving their bodies. It looks, it doesn't look like a lip sync. You know what I mean? Like, there's a couple numbers, especially like with Hugh Jackman. I think is you know you can tell that he is like just belting this song out. His eyes are you know. Not just crying, but like, you know, he's like hitting these notes or trying to whether or not, you know, it's the recording that we hear. But yeah. just in, in that, I think that aspect was pretty cool. And like I picked up on that and I read about that beforehand. And I was really looking for it. Um, but even if you didn't know it, I think you would you could tell that, you know, this the, the performances are actually pretty solid um, with the exception of Russell Crowe. <laughs> I mean, so was he just a, like a bad singer or was it like a bad a bad acting job as well? I think, I think he just not the, right. The for majority the of it was the vocals, like the singing. But I think that affected so much of his performance for me, at least mm-hmm. that I couldn't get past him at, in that character at all. You know, as Javert, I, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I couldn't I couldn't align with him or I basically just wrote him off like after the first 30 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. as in like, OK, that was just that's just wrong with this film. Let me just look at try to look for what's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like the vocal part, like I didn't, you know, some, like Amanda Seyfried, yeah, I know she was in like Mama Mia or whatever, and she's singing that. But I mean, she like actually has a really pretty voice, and and so does the guy Eddie Redmayne who plays Marius. Um, just I mean, overall, the vocals and everything, the, the musical piece of this experience was pretty good in my opinion. But my biggest issue was probably over directing at times, and um, I don't know that it, this is the kind of thing that's probably made for like an audience that's probably going to eat it up, you know, like the musical crowd, mm-hmm. but. I don't think that means automatically that it's how did it look. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, like the the production value, you know, mm. is is definitely there. I mean, the costumes, uh, the cinematography is is pretty good. I mean, it's not anything that blew me away, you know. Um, some fe- some scenes actually feel like they get dragged out a lot, like songs going on longer than I remember them going on, um, or even crossing into other songs. But um, I don't know. I just I, I I will note that I seem to be in the minority of like the people that I went with to see the film. Maybe my expectations were a little too high, but um, most people I, I was with actually did enjoy it. And I would say that I still I would I would say I still liked it. Mm-hmm. If I was going to give it a number, I don't think I'd give it anything over like a seven or seven and a half, maybe for Anne Hathaway and, and Hugh Jackman, who I you know really like their performances. Right. Um, but so, so even the kind of over direction didn't didn't sink it for you it didn't sink it yeah i I wouldn't say that it's like crap you know Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say it's like a d-worthy film or like you know a two-star movie in my opinion but it's not a movie that i probably would would seek out again Mm -hmm. um or look to own or anything like that it's like i experienced it i saw it i'll get what the buzz is about when the award season comes around and and that Mm -hmm. that's pretty much all it is for me so i don't know much about the story but who played less miserables I think that would actually be referring to the majority of the cast. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he, and there's a lot of depression and sadness. Oh, okay. There's not a whole lot of bright spots in this okay. movie at all. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's actually in the in the credits. It's like lay, the lay mis like the miserable. Yeah. Entire cast. Oh, okay. it's, it's it's in the bottom of it. You know. Gotcha. For those not familiar with it. 
<laughs> but that's all I got to say about Lamin is. Oh, okay, cool. Like, are you are you disappointed? You disappointed, but are either of you pro against musicals? I love musicals. I'm, I'm all. About I like it. Durant. Yeah, uh, across the universe. Love I love. I'd probably say Moulin Rouge is probably one of my favorites. I don't see a lot of them, one. but in theory, I see it as just one more, uh, one more thing you have in the in the movie tool bag. Is that like you know yeah. a way to? There's certain movies where you you show kind of the extremes of human behavior mm-hmm. through having people get killed or through showing yep. them on a different world or through yeah. showing them, you know, Account team with, America with the utter realism that you can achieve. And then sometimes the notion of like song breaking into song. I don't know. I feel like there's, there's, I, I like the idea of <laughs> movies that both play with that in a, in a concept way of saying like, well, what's going on here? How are these people, you know, like the way the, the Muppet movie, even the way they yeah. had the songs kind of commenting on the form. But I also think just a good old fashioned, you know, musical can really hit their spot sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, what, I, I'm all about the, the the genre. I remember loving Chicago, the more recent version of Chicago, Moulin Rouge. I was a big fan of Cross Universe, like Ronald said. Mm-hmm. I thought we were all pretty great. Um, all soundtracks that I own as well. Like all of, what, do you count those like Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, I would count Nightmare Before Christmas um, for certain because even more so than the usual animated movie with songs sprinkled into it, I felt like that one. The songs were a part of the like the, pl- oh, the, the songs song. moved the story yeah. forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of my favorites. You know, actually, another one that I would put in that category uh, is uh, South Park, Bigger, Longer, yeah. and Uncut. Oh, I mean, in man. the sense that definitely it's kind of making fun of a of a Disney musical specifically, oh, yeah. but it's also trying its best to have memorable songs with the you know some of those songs I do still I could probably sing at the drop. Yeah, Ronald mentioned Team America. I would Team say America. yeah, Team America is not a bad idea. Uncle Fucker is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> it's so funny that you would say that because I mentally made a list of like some of my favorite musical moments before we were going to talk about Les Mis, and that was one I put on the list was that song because not only was it. <laughs> like it's a perfect pastiche of that type of musical song, but it's also just ridiculously hilarious. The first time you see that, yes, and the first time you saw it, I hope you were in a crowded theater because yeah. it was oh, yes. maximum impact. That was that was a gut buster. That I was love great. after they finish the song, they're like, "Oh, go fuck up. yeah, suck my balls." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that tag on the end, right. <laughs> so weird. I mean, it was so funny, man. Oh, but it also, yeah, Trey absolutely. Parker clearly is a fan of musicals. Oh, I mean, absolutely. His, all, every time he's done any kind of musical thing, uh, it's always, I mean, clearly they've had a success on Broadway. Uh, I've gone to, yeah, I've gone to see Book of Mormon. You it's, saw it? It's you have incredible. Heard it's hilarious. The music is awesome. Really? Oh, my God, it's great. So, yeah, I mean, there's a guy who clearly, like... He gets it, yeah. He I totally mean, gets it and takes it seriously. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that with the right approach, there's nothing inherently corny about about musicals. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Just didn't love this one as much yeah. as I hoped I would. Right. Yeah. I, I was worried when I didn't see it popping up. I've been compiling my lists of top tens, like from the industry, what, reading different sites that we all go to or blogs yeah, or yeah, papers. Yeah. And I was actually really surprised with the lack of mention that I had seen for it on any or on many. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. on some, but those that it has been on, with the exception of maybe one or two, it's been towards the bottom of these top ten lists if it's barely making it. Mm. And it, you know, definitely won't be on mine. You hear that, fans of Lay Miz the movie? You gotta <laughs> mobilize if you wanna really push this thing. <laughs> If you know, it's one of those things Get where the theater, right? Well, if you want to see it on a top ten list, you got to write it yourself. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, if you want me to see it on the top ten list, which would be- put it in a better light, just go make a blog. Yeah, see it and just rave about it. This might be the podcast that launched a th- that launched the lounge that, the lounge. <laughs> that, that launched a thousand <laughs> blogs. <laughs> right? Who knows? And I'll take credit for them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, next, we're going to talk about Jack Reacher, right? Yep, Jack Reacher round. Reacher round. I like that. N- n- now that it's, I admire that. Now that it's like a week after the movie came out, though, we have now missed the boat on beating beating uh, beating anyone else to the uh, all the masturbation jokes that can be made <laughs> just about the title of this right, film. Right. You got your Jack off Reacher. <laughs> you got your Jack off Reacher round. I enjoy those titles. I just wanted to get the highbrow stuff out of the way right, first right. before we really <laughs> before we dig into this. Getting into yeah. it. Um, Christopher McCrary directed, guy did Way of the Gun. Incredible movie. Um, and probably most significantly in my mind, uh, wrote the screenplay for Usual Suspects. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, incredible movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do like that movie. I don't, I don't know Did why. you just experience a reach around? <laughs> <laughs> that was awkward for a moment. I was like, um, what happened? It's, it's, a good, it's a good movie. It kind of hit me suddenly when you said that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> but directing wise, yeah. he has not done yeah. much. Well, yeah. did he do Valkyrie? Was that him? 
Um, no, Brian Singer. He I think produced he, it. Oh, he wrote it. Yeah, wrote it as well. So he wrote Valkyrie. Yeah. But yeah, so this is this is definitely kind of part of a twelve-year hiatus. Man. Seems to be a relationship with Tom Cruise too, because yeah. I know that I've heard his name batted around for the next Mission Impossible Possible, film yeah. as well. Yeah. And it doesn't look like they'll need to free him up from any future Jack Reacher films. <laughs> I would right, say. Right. Um, so yeah, as a, as a franchise starter, do, do you think this is a do you think this fizzles or do you think it it goes? Man, I think in in '94, <laughs> you this, beat me to it. This would have been the movie. It would have. It's it's the best action movie of the nineties that you never saw. It well, is. didn't Ronald say just a couple of weeks ago what happened to all the action films? And then yeah, he said, right. Like, I, I turned to him said, and said that to him during the movie. I was like, "Here's your action movie that you've been yeah. missing, like like those that they used to make in the nineties." He right. said, and then just they made one. Relentless hero, no no obstacles, really. It was like every Jean Claude Van Damme film that I <laughs> yeah. loved in the nineties. JCVD. I saw a lot of familiar elements in that uh, mm. that aspect of the character. I th- there's I think that um, this was an attempt to give Tom Cruise kind of a taken. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the sort of the 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 efficient badass mm. who's coming for you, and if you're a bad guy who who gets in his way, it's like that's your problem. Now you got Jack Reacher to deal with. You know. Yeah. Um, um, and and I, I I love the the sort of behind the scenes conversation that must have happened at some point when Tom Cruise. <laughs> Got wind of a project <laughs> where the lead character was this. He's the smartest guy in the room. He's mm-hmm. the toughest guy in the room. He's the deadliest guy in the room. Yeah. He's always he always knows the angles. You can't get the drop on him. He doesn't care about anybody, but he cares just enough to do the right thing. Yep. And for him to be like, yeah, I, I could play that guy. I mean, I just love the notion of a, a movie that is basically a <laughs> a hand job to the character. Yeah. You know, like it's all about how awesome this guy is. And Tom Cruise, of course, wants to play that guy. And of course, he's going to produce a movie about himself being the coolest guy ever. (laughs) Absolutely. I think I think when he did it, he was like, look, if I'm going to do this, you have to give me one scene where I'm with a prostitute. That's putting our bra back on, and I'm sitting in bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that part was so weird. So and you got to show the debauched the moment that just indicates that yeah. when he's not kicking ass and being the coolest guy in a caper. Yeah, he's got like the hottest prostitute in the world yep. in his hotel. He's room. pulverizing her, yeah. and, and he does not. <laughs> he doesn't really care about her, but but he's nice. Yeah, he's not a bad guy. That's what we like about Jack Reacher. So he comes into the situation, right? There's a there's a murder. Yeah, there's a murder. Well, the opening, Several the opening stretch of the movie. Let's talk a little bit yeah, about that opening I, sequence. Oh, so good, so good, so intense. I was a big fan. Yeah, I, I like the sight through the sniper scope. Like you know, you kind of see the tendency of, of of a trained professional, like as he's scoping out like his path mm-hmm. to attaining whatever his objective was. And yeah, the moment we're talking about, there's an opening yeah. scene where, uh, and it's also that it's well shot, and it's shot in a way that like it's very effective kind of mysterious call of duty-esque <laughs> setting up well i mean it was um it was yeah like steve said you see the the site kind of darting through and f- focusing in on different people and then you realize after that that he's lining up this mm-hmm. this spree that he's going on and i think that it's worth mentioning in recent history especially because a lot of people are are suggesting that maybe the box office for this movie was hurt by the you know people with recent events in our country with the Newtown massacre mm-hmm. that maybe people aren't wanting to rush off to a theater to see an even slightly similar story unfold on screen. Now, I don't know how most audiences would have known about that, but I, I, it was bad luck for this movie to come out like in the midst of all that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah think I mean, where gun violence of any kind is going to be under viewed microscope, harshly. Yeah. Right. And under a lot of scope. Yeah. I thing. just think we, we just function in a pussified sort of culture. I don't know how pussified that makes you though. If you don't I, want to look at that it's, right now, it's, it's perfectly all right. But, but we're connecting things that aren't connected sometimes. That that's the part that bothers me. Yeah. Um, oh, like, no, right. There, well, yeah. As far as the cause and effect scene, goes, if there were, yeah. yeah, if there were a scene where like a guy goes into a school and kills, a, I'd be like, man, that's rough. If he, you know, goes into an elementary mm-hmm. school, very closely related. But they're just saying at this point, any gun violence. Well, is I think terrible. what it's at the moment when people are saying, "Are we? Have we gone too far?" Mm-hmm. Then you look at something and you go, "Is this a symptom?" Now, again, I don't think the violence in this movie was particularly shocking to me. I mean. I think that the most shocking suggestion in it, there's one point where there's a suggestion that this sniper is about to shoot a kid. And I think that caused audible gasps in the audience, especially from the the woman sitting next to me who 
couldn't shut up the whole okay. time. Your, your new best friend? Yeah, my new best friend. Yeah. If, if, you're if, Percy. If, if, well, I, I've decided she's Peg. <laughs> <laughs> if I see her again, I'm going to call her Peg. Peg. Uh, but she actually, when, the, when, when it looked like the guy was going to shoot a little girl in this movie, she actually uh, went, no, 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 no. <laughs> She, Wait, like, did you record her? Or was that, that, was that you? Yeah, that was good, man. That was really good. But I was just like, oh, God, this is... It was just like, she let me know early that she was going to be loud and, and that she was going to be vocal. <laughs> and then she was very vocal. And then it, here's the... Um, what is your one hope? If, if, if you know that the person who's talking nonstop through the movie and ruining it for you, if you know that they're with a large group, what is your heart's desire? That the other person in the group tells them to shut the hell that up. That someone who knows them will tell them to hide. <laughs> yeah, or someone um, slips them a roofie okay, I'm or going a to, pill. I'm, I'm going to say, like, no, 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 no. And then you be like her daughter who was sitting a few people down, and you just try to politely shush me, okay? okay. So I'm going to say, oh, no, 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 Mom, no, no, no. You, please you shut up. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> That's what she did. Oh, I'm used to this. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the daughter this. did kind of go, well, I did my part. You know, she was like, well, everyone heard me try to stop her. But the daughter told I'm me innocent back here, okay? <laughs> But at that moment, I was just like, "There's." that was about halfway into the movie. And I thought, oh, God, there's no stopping her now. She didn't even listen to it. train, John. She, the, the, the known person couldn't get close to her, you know? That's like if, if, if you've got a jumper on the side of a building and you bring their wife down there to say, no, don't jump. And that still doesn't, doesn't right, stop right. them. You know? He's, he's like, got to kill us at this point. Yeah. Except if this woman had been wanting to jump, I, there were you points during stop. this movie where <laughs> yeah, I would have right. said, "If you're, you know, if it you're might gonna, make the most sense. <laughs> if you're going to jump quietly, then jump." <laughs> but back to the film. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good point that you mentioned about, like, I guess recent events. But I guess my big thing is, I guess having the option to go or not go is what I. The fact that this movie still came out, like there was controversy, like the premiere got canceled. You know, in Pittsburgh, where they were having this big gala premiere, because that's where the movie was filmed. Yeah. You know, to kind of like thank the city and everything, and it got canceled in light of the event, which is you know whatever. Like that's a whole different conversation. And I that's I, more about the question of a press event. Yeah. At a exactly. time where there are more serious matters going to on, go, I feel like that actually shows a certain amount of taste and decorum. Yeah, but up I mean, at the same time, it's like a press event for a movie. So let's take that out of the equation and let the media cover more of the Newtowns, you know, of this mm-hmm. horrible tragedy and right. continue to talk about it. Right. You know, and to talk about things that may have nothing to do with it. I agree with you I, I, in terms like a of weird the specifics, line. but I feel like as far as when a company decides to say, while 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 you've got, like, still there's news hitting, and there still is, but at yeah. that time especially, there was yeah. still news about the shootings. You don't want next to that to be you on the red carpet with a big ear-to-ear grin. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. what it is. They're trying to avoid... A, a, a kind of publicity that could make them look detached and kind of shallow at a time where people are thinking about more serious things. But I agree with you in the sense of I I, I think it's great that they didn't push anything back. I think, yeah. you know, just let it come out. However, they it may have been worse for it that it came out when it did because, yeah. you know. But that's another question. How much do you think there was an audience for this movie? I mean, I know Tom Cruise comes with a certain amount of a fan base, but clearly he can have movies that tank. Sure. So, this like, what's the what is the... Like, uh, what is the wisdom of making this kind of retro? Admittedly, we I think we all sort of enjoyed bits of it. Didn't yeah, we? I did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it was efficiently done, and I felt like was. there were a couple of really cool fight scenes. And I, I mean, I'd probably watch the movie again. I mean, Same. I don't, I don't really have a ton of positive things to say yeah. about it because in today's what we're looking for in films or like what you expect from a certain movie like this, even if you're t- comparing it to like his version or his opportunity to, at a taken franchise, yeah. You know, like it's it's he, not he gets those... to he gets to tell a guy on the phone that he's coming for him. That's yeah, that's the, like that that's yeah. the, that's the uh, link. Yeah. This it, I don't know, just this there's nothing to is, rave about. Yeah, there's nothing not, to be too excited about. It's not bad. That's the thing. It's not terrible. You were laughing a lot. Yeah, it, I think I think what was happening was like I, the the tone of this movie was really like the, the dialogue in the first act was hard to digest as a person seeing so many movies that were just as a person yeah seeing so many movies were just that that, were, that had pretty good storylines and and really good dialogue just hearing just how it was unfolding on yeah. screen was just like how are we going to stop them you know what we have to do that that's <laughs> kind of that like it's just very like yeah. That's why I felt like it was from the early 90s. Well, I remember you were suggesting, and I still... I'm, you don't believe it. I, don't uh, here's believe what it. I... I think it's... Ronald was suggesting after we saw this that there was a certain amount of deliberate cheese there on was the part deliberate of this cheese. movie. I don't think it was deliberate cheese. However, I do think they were deliberately trying... To, I, I think there were some attempts made to say, let's keep the... Let's make sure there's like hand-to-hand combat in this. Let's make sure when we have a car chase that it's not a crazy, unbelievable car chase... 
That it's sort of a physically possible car chase. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like the fact that it was retro in those ways, in that, like, really the climactic moment of the movie is is a, a fist fight between two guys in the rain. You know, it's not, yeah. it doesn't try to top every action movie ever. Yeah. And I think in that, I was actually able to kind of enjoy the highly implausible alpha male uh, fantasy <laughs> that this yeah. movie yeah. projected. Is this the first time he's played this kind of a badass, though? Like, this this level of, like... No, I'm Almost like a character. Like yeah, I was going to collateral he was that type But of in that, he was not a... Likeable well, badass. He was so evil in That's that interesting, yeah, because I was thinking about what role was closest to this one, and collateral may be mm-hmm. the one, even though in that character he, he was, like, playing such a nasty guy. But yeah. um, I don't know. I felt like they even used his size. A lot of people who are fans of the books these were based on were complaining that Tom Cruise was miscast because the character in the book is supposed to be, like, six foot five mm-hmm. and, like, 300 pounds of muscle. But I thought the way the movie used his size was almost effective because yeah. there were scenes where you really thought, okay, how is he going to get the drop on these guys who are, you know, that pretty much all of them are bigger than him. Right. They almost used it. I mean, even the woman in the movie is like a foot taller than him. Yeah. And they don't really try to hide it that much. So like, I don't know. In that sense, I felt like maybe there was a little bit of self-awareness and then trying to make him sort of look sort of unlikely, but still be this badass. But there really yeah. was not much. There really weren't that many levels to this movie at all. No. Like, it's all pretty much just... Cool CIA yeah. guy kicks kicks the bad guy's asses. Two things I don't like about this movie: the corny callbacks to things that were mentioned earlier, like the serial number thing. You remember, like the serial yeah. number. Where What's the serial like, number of the gun? The serial number of the gun. He didn't answer it. He's like five nine six five four. No, I liked in the moment. That's how I knew it was you. <laughs> it's like what? I liked in the moment when he asked him about the serial number, and he just hit the guy back with another question. He yeah. should have known the answer yeah, to. Like, I thought what, that was, was kind of that was, cool. that was kind yeah. of funny and smart. But yeah. then when he turns out to have actually known, that's when I was like, okay, now he really is like Superman. He yeah. is. He, is. he mentions it. He's got a photographic memory on top of everything too. else. Like yeah. it's like, re- um, and then so one thing I want to say about this movie is this. I'm not saying this to insult the movie. It Go is ahead a, and insult it is the movie. a DVD movie. It's a movie that's going to do. It's not a straight to DVD. It's movie. not even a DVD. It's but a, it's, it's a VHS do, movie. It's gonna, it's going to do better <laughs> on DVD. Yeah. You know, it's going to do better on DVD than in Blu-ray. I agree with you. Absolutely. In movies, just because. I don't think people are willing necessarily to go out and pay for this sort of movie in the same way. They'll rent it. They'll watch it with a group of friends. But I don't know if everybody's willing yeah. to see this style of movie anymore in the movies. I was going. They'll red box the shit out of it, though. But I don't. I, don't I, I was sitting down to watch it and it wasn't on my radar. No. You know what I mean? So it's like I can only imagine to someone who's not sort of feeling like, oh, let's go see right. a movie. I don't know that this is the movie you would choose at all right now but there's so many things out at the moment 3 3 a.m with your significant other in some sweatpants in front of a 7-eleven yeah. and you're pressing a red box yeah you're like oh okay jaggery yeah that was a movie that it's, i missed it's got the uh Werner herzog's the bad guy in this it's got yeah. that factor going yeah, for yeah. it it's but yeah back to what we the thing that was most effective like the first 10-15 minutes of the movie suggested almost um, a different type of film because if you'll remember after that after the shooting at the beginning, there's this sequence where the you know they're they're apprehending the the shooter or the person that they believe to be the shooter, mm-hmm. and it's all done relatively soundlessly with just music, and it was like a montage. It was a really cool like the opening of the movie was really like I started to get my hopes up, and then with the second the introduction of this totally implausible CIA badass character, yeah, and everyone's so impressed at his record, he's able to disappear from you know he's off the grid. Nobody knows when he might pop up, and then he's here to see him or whatever. That stuff was all so corny. It's very it corny. really immediately let you know what kind of movie you were in. The for. fact that it was done in an office, yeah, and, and, he, and it does what what the bosses always do when they throw down the file. Yeah, this guy has no. been missing for ten years. He's a tough badass. He's it's it's that for the first act, and I thought that was really cool. It's funny that you mentioned the throwing down of the file because one of the things I wrote down in my notes was Richard Jenkins whipping off his glasses and throwing them down. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm done reading. Now let's talk about this guy. <laughs> but yeah, no, everything was kind of out of the rule book in that sense. And that yeah. does, and even though I know that I sort of disagreed with you that there was anything deliberately kind of satirical going on, it, it really does seem like they hit all the beats of the, the 90s action movie, like, yeah. without a doubt. Like, Can we talk about the co-star, Rosamund? Rosamund Pike. Pike. I, I, I saw this conversation going there at some so, point. <laughs> let me explain how this how this movie is going to affect you guys if you go see it. First act, she's just oh, she's a fairly attractive. Hair's up. You're ignoring her. Second act, a little bit of a V cut. 
shirt. And then boobies, boobies, man. She she looked. Mm. She's so I like boobies, boobies, and I like really uh, kind of off the beaten path sort of women. Like I I don't know. I I don't like purposefully hot women placed in these positions. Yeah, you like the outside uh, chance, like the six-foot-tall blonde with the giant tits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd like the challenge. Yeah, right. I, like the, I mean, I was Not, You don't go for the easy favorite. She doesn't have, like, she doesn't have conventional... I don't know, like, she... I'm looking at her profile. I'm like, eh, I wouldn't go for her. And then I see her in action and her I think, attitude. And- <laughs> see her in action. I think it's that's a sign of the movie's appeal, too, is that... As it goes along, you have you realize what kind of movie you're watching, and you have more time to notice things. Like, mm-hmm. oh well, what am I looking for? What's going to be the mm-hmm. entertainment value of this next scene? That's true. And the corny sexual tension between the two of them. I mean, bottom line, I, I had I had a little fun with the movie. I'm not gonna I lie did to you. Too. Yeah, yeah, I kind of I kind of did like it. My buddy and I were talking about it on the way home. You know, something I would totally catch on TV or right. you know pop in to watch like on an afternoon. great HBO movie. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it's kind of weird to me that I mean. Something else to note, though, like I don't think this is there's as much in this film in terms of sacrifice or risk from no. a production no. or studio. I mean, when you think about Tom Cruise, like I don't ever think of Tom Cruise putting out a sixty million dollar movie that you know budget wise. Yeah, the movie hasn't made that much money now. It'll probably make its money back, and when it finds a, maybe a second life on DVD, it'll it'll not be a failure. But like you know, I don't think it's going to be the launch of a franchise for Tom Cruise or for. Uh, the whole Jack Reacher series, like One Shots, the book that this is based off of, Lee Child's novels. But, I mean, you know, I don't think it's going to succeed in that realm. But right. I think it's, I don't know, I kind of had fun with it. Um, weird, though, I know that we talked about the cinema score rating before, cinema score ratings. It's highly rated. It's got like an A- minus to A+. plus. <laughs> highly mm-hmm. rated like everywhere. Over, and it's fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, so we're not yeah. talking about a bad movie. It's you know, you, 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 you have to be aware of what it is, and I think you'd probably enjoy it more. Yeah. Then going in and thinking that it's like a taken or I think if I had rated it the second I walked out of it, I might have given it a higher rating than I would give it now just because of the entertainment value. of What it. would I you have given it? I probably would have given it at like a solid B coming okay. out of it. Like I would have said and, and which means maybe it's an A for what it was trying to do. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I don't you. think um, I think that as flawed and as kind of. And not even flawed. It's like it's not even that. Maybe that's it. It's not that it's flawed. It's just that it's kind of shallow. It's not like you said. It's not going for that much. What it does. There's a cool car chase. There's a couple of cool fights. There's a really cool fight scene in a bathroom yeah. that is like maybe the biggest laugh. But all it's mm. just like it uses the physical space that it's yeah. in for the for the violence. I think that like the fact that Tom Cruise likes to do stunts. I felt that energy in the movie. I felt like there was a real, like there were well choreographed fight scenes. And I don't know, overall, it just, it was efficient. I kept, of the things that I, that are kind of like eye roll worthy about it, those are things that you would roll your eye at about almost any action movie, really. And it's in the sense that it's like maybe what we're all kind of getting at with this whole calling it a 90s throwback is that it just doesn't have that extra layer that so many movies add that do, it doesn't always work anyway. Right. So in yeah. a way, by keeping it simple, I think it got in under my, you know, under my defenses to some extent. Like I came out of it kind of going, you know, it really was okay. And it is exactly the definition of a movie you would you would rent and yeah. feel feel quite fine okay with. with. I yeah. think it's because we're our standards for movies are pretty high. And I think it's okay to relax a little bit and enjoy something that's not the deepest most uh, layered movie. This is going to sound like a terrible opinion. pun, but I don't mean it this way. <laughs> it honestly didn't reach for anything outside. You know, so many of these movies we talk about, like we talk about their ambition and how they mm-hmm. failed doing this and how, oh, there's this political subtext and did that really work or did this, this movie didn't try to do anything like Nothing. that that was outside of the story. And right. sometimes that's, you know. And you almost, and you leave this kind of movie, like you, you don't enjoy really, or at least maybe this was just me, but like you're like still like, what actually was even the the yeah? What happened? <laughs> what actually was the bad thing that was happening? Yeah. What was the motivation for anything? You're yeah. like, eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, which yeah. of these like, characters that I didn't up. care about was yeah. in trouble? Right. Yeah, like what was the what was the whole point? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like Jack Reacher beat people up, and <laughs> yeah. Rosalind Pike gradually revealed her breasts. <laughs> yeah, but and not, not a, done. But not I mean, all the way. Yeah. I'm there. You know, yeah. he he did not have like there was <clears throat> no point in the movie where I felt like his. Physical safety was in danger. Yeah, they, I also love that he ran away from stuff sometimes. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that he Me didn't run towards everything. Like oh, I'm invincible. He he hid. He ran. Or he, like think, wait out the moment to see yeah. what the angle I thought that was, was. really so the, cool. The, the the famous scene that's in the trailer. I guess famous to me because it was in the commercial. <laughs> Uh, and it was a big hit with the audience. You could tell where he gets out of the car and it rolls down the, oh, the yeah. road, mm-hmm. and then he kind of blends in with the crowd. 
what was that crowd really thinking? <laughs> because I thought about that. It's like, that's a cool moment. And it's sort of a, we all hate the cops, right? Kind of moment. Yeah. But when you really think about it, this guy could have, they could have all turned on the news later to find out that this guy had just shot up a school. Right. Mass or, murder. Or, yeah. Like been <laughs> responsible for planting a bomb or something. I mean, it's, so it's sort of like. He could have been Brody from yeah. Homeland. Yeah. He could have been, you know, like they just accepted it. I mean, that's. Now they, if it was Bro- Brody's the kind of terrorist you could have over for dinner. That's Ronald. true. That's <laughs> true. He could have been like Nazir. And then he's talking through that little hole he calls a mouth. It's really crazy yeah. how he speaks through that hole. Like, You've jumped to Brody now. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Much like Tom Cruise. Leave Damian Lewis and his tiny mouth alone <laughs> for at least another year. Very tiny, his mouth. But yeah, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Also very tiny. <laughs> also very tiny, man. Um, I, That's all. Oh, yeah. Nothing. That's the, it. The Planet of the Apes black dude. Uh, that sounded really weird. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. You ever have to live in right now? The black dude. roll? Just <laughs> roll over the place? Wow. You're like a walking. Make him so loud, dude. I'm losing it. The black guy that was in Planet of the Apes. Um, the, sci- the, the guy that was funding the science oh, project. Was that the same actor? That's the same actor. I thought he was really good in this. He's really good in it. David Ayalowo. Like yeah. in the sense that when he started off. He was in I, Lincoln too. You know, that, he was. Oh, yeah. He walked away while he was finishing <laughs> his speech, which I think is weird to this day. I just want to start talking to somebody and walk away and have my voice oh, fade. You know, one day we ought to talk about our favorite list of things that people do in movies that no one does in real life. Because <laughs> right. that is one of them. One of the Walking away while you're talking to somebody is one. Another one is turning off the television the second the piece of information you were looking for yes, is described. Yes, yes. You know, but what if that newscaster were to say, however, we have new information. All right, so Jack Reacher, I would say it, it's fun. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's a it, it's like Ronald said right at the beginning, it's like a movie you feel like came out in the 90s action yeah. Uh, you can have some laughs at it, and if we were on the be see impressed it, by some of the action pieces. If it was like see it, rent it, or skip it, I would say we all put this in rent it. Right? Yeah, and I'd say that. Right. Yeah. All right. All um, right, Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher. I guess this brings us to the the last big film that we're going to talk about, and that that's all you guys. I haven't had a oh, chance yeah. to see this. We've talked about it a ton on this podcast. Yeah, there's yeah. been a lot of anticipation. And, you know, now a, we finally get to hear what the two of you think, mm-hmm. and that is Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. Is the D silent? The D is silent. Okay. Um, so it's Unchained? Unchained. Django Unchained. The Django Unchained. Yeah. I like that. Um, so this is his, his latest offering. Uh, Three-hour offering, by the way. What? Um, mm. Two hours, 45 minutes, right? It's like yeah. not right at the three-hour mark. All but. these big movies in the in the winter, like they're all... It's right. like a pre... You have to have a... Two hour and thirty minute running time at least have it to, seems have to <clears throat> to be taken I'm, seriously. Of course, I like I like double albums. I like bonus material. I, mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like these runtimes. The only reason it seems to me like they're getting out of hand because it's not about attention span for me. It's just that I think that the, a lot of these movies you can sense the the editorial decision to let's just let's leave it in. Now Tarantino has always had movies that have like an interesting kind of form to them, you know, and his Mm -hmm. movies could be argued to seem kind of long primarily because they don't always follow the typical three act structure. Right. Um, Django Unchained almost seemed to me like it had a, um, a movie and then a movie like the, the first half is a certain kind of buddy comedy. And then the real revenge kind of black exploitation film that Mm -hmm. kicks in in the second half is, you know, they're both, they're both really effective in different ways. Um, having, you know, being old and going to a midnight screening to see a three-hour movie, I don't know if it was the, the I don't know if it was the best possible filter for <laughs> the, the movie itself. Thing you've ever decided to do, but it was. You know, I didn't fall asleep. It's hard to find fault with a movie that has so many fantastic scenes, fantastic yeah, yeah. performances. Uh, you know, sadly, Quentin Tarantino does see fit to act in this one too. Wow, it is fuck? literally the worst thing in the movie. Is yeah, his, I mean, his like, cameo. It's. Man, if it weren't for the fact that he created this great movie, I, I want to say, I want to say great. I, I, use I, a, I might, I might use have to word. see it again. I want to use a word, and I don't. I'm gonna wait until we talk about it some more before. I, wow, so, <clears throat> there's a, is this a word like you just created on your no, own, or no, so, added to the Webster? So one thing I was afraid of, especially as a a African American, mm-hmm. as a black person. As a AFM, I'll shorten it, shorten it, African-American. I was really afraid that... Wait, 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 wait. 
you're black Ronald. <laughs> he was like, what? Apparently. Mm. Apparently. Uh, cut the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't I was, have that. I was really afraid that the subject matter would get in the way of um, the story. And something you have to know before you go into this movie, no matter what you hear, this is a spaghetti Western that just so happens to take place during this time. It is not a movie about slavery necessarily. Right. You know it's not I mean? really like a movie about race relations. Right. It uses slavery the way that Inglorious Bastards used uh, the Holocaust. Right. Just as a way. I mean, and again, this might be a complaint. I would say that there's a philosophical sort of debate to be had about whether whether Tarantino has the right. Yeah, to kind of use this material as the fodder for... Is, that resp- is he being responsible enough with b- the subject b- By using it as, uh, like you said, for thrills, kind of yeah. for kicks. But well, what it does is it sets up this moral scale where there are certain people who you are dying to see punished. Yeah. And, the, and, and in that sense, the movie gratifies. But I, I do think that... I think there's two things to say about that. One is that at some point it kind of curdles. At some point you start to feel like maybe you're just as bad... At, like there's a scene in the movie where they, the this these uh, creeps are basically watching these two slaves beat each other to death for sport. Yeah. At some point, you feel a little bit like you're becoming one of those guys because you're watching just this violence, you know. Yeah. However, the other side of that would be Tarantino is well aware of that. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like he knows that while you're, I think it's designed to sort of sicken you at the same time as you're pumping your fist. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's what it is. Like instead of it being this moral, I mean, like. The, the whole morality behind slavery creates the barriers for the characters. Like they have to function within these parameters. They can't just go and do what they have to do. They have to function as these characters. So one of the biggest things in the story that they kind of explain in the trailer is that um, although Django is a free man in these towns that they go to as bounty hunters, they have to pose as these characters and one of the decisions that they make very early is they have to be these characters no matter what. You can't break character. This is very important if you want to get what you want to get. Mm-hmm. It's ruthless. It's weird. It's um, And that's one of the things that happens. This movie goes from deadly serious to very funny very quickly. And that's that dance is what makes this movie one of the best movies I've seen this year. It's, it's that dance between the serious and the morally corrupt and the it's supposed to make you uncomfortable and i but think it, but yeah i think what you're saying is, is that in the midst of feeling uncomfortable yeah. there are some comic scenes that yeah. are great there are some i mean you know case in point would be uh dicaprio's villain character this det- speech at the end detestable character but you can't take your eyes off of him and yeah. and it's like you can see I don't know. I always, I always, particularly when you have to play something as ugly as this kind of institutionalized racism that's depicted in this movie, I, you know, I, to see that the actors kind of throw themselves into it, mm-hmm. I, you didn't sense any any side of DiCaprio holding back or trying to be like, come on, everybody knows I'm really a nice guy. He yeah. was playing this to the hilt, and you know, a, an interesting character. He's not. I mean, he is a, a, a mustache twirling villain, but there's a little hint of like. The guy has this intellectual curiosity. I mean, um, he has this intellectual insecurity about wanting people to think that he's really cultured. Yeah, and he isn't. And well, he's that's not. Really I thought cool. that was a great angle because it gave everything his character did was motivated towards trying to appear smart. But when you realize that kind of everyone around him is aware that he's trying to appear smart and they're all kind of walking on eggshells, yeah. it added this great energy. You, I mean, you never pitied this man, but at least I did see him as a sort of a plausible like he's a sadist, but you can kind of believe this man that this is a person and not just a cartoon. Yeah, that, I mean, well, there's there's a couple. That's the I think that's the social commentary. There's a couple of things like the idea that like um, superiority is a big focus yeah. of this, and the fact that the people that claim superiority weren't always necessarily the most sharp people in the world. It was just the position they were in. Mm-hmm. They were they were granted this power. By whatever means, like family or whatever, just being born the way you were born is interesting. And then there was a big issue. I don't want to give away one of the things, but one one of the bigger issues as they were kind of functioning in this world was something that the townspeople noticed every time they he would go into a town. They could not handle the fact that Jamie Foxx was doing something that black people normally don't do. And it's the simplest thing. But it's very, very telling of the time. 
the fact that I mean, can we can we, can we say what it, the fact that he was riding around on a horse killed them like it it literally yeah. almost made people faint they're like i cannot believe he's on the horse i can't handle this no, I, this, I, like this afternoon stopped. i saw bigfoot the other day i saw the loch ness monster <laughs> that didn't that didn't shock no, me no but i but saw a, a negro a i yeah. saw a negro on the bus and it bothered yeah but they didn't say negro in they, did not. they did um, not but yeah i thought that was that part of it was interesting because that's a great example ronald because you were able to both think about the historical yeah. shock of that and mm-hmm. just think about what that means. I mean, like, think about what a different world we live in now. Yeah. Um, but also, it was played for laughs. Like, it, it, was. Was, it became a joke. Yeah. Like, just the line, the verb, just particularly a scene where Samuel L. Jackson's character has a whole conversation about whether, whether he should be on a horse. And all. Yeah. It's like, it was funny as hell, but it was funny in this way that, like, right beneath, the, it's like a very brittle kind of, you know, the, the as the laughs are building up, the character of Django is kind of silent. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like it leads up to, you know, what everyone knows this plot of this movie is going to involve some kind of retribution or some kind of revenge or some kind of attempt there. But I thought that what a lot of that stuff that you're talking about that just makes you realize like, oh, my God, th- you know, these people have never seen a black person ride a horse before uh, because they don't think they're supposed to be able to. Yeah. Like that you start to feel so oily and greasy and bad just kind of watching this world that mm-hmm. you're ready to see it burned down at yeah, the end of the yeah. movie. You know? I mean, that's a crazy thing. Like, I guess you think about it. Well, mostly because, honestly, in my life, I've had weird things where, like, people have questioned things that don't really, to me, are very, like, trivial things questioned because I look a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's 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 layered. It's, it's a very layered thing. It's the reassure groups of people that yeah people are still like this and also to show people like this is some of this is some of this behavior still practiced in a way like mm-hmm. in a like a weird way so that okay so that stuff and then the violence i guess we should talk about the violence in it was the violence too much i i, I don't I, I think it was exactly as gory as it was intended to be yeah the violence was over the top mm-hmm. i mean i think that was one thing that you can say without a doubt that it was not intending to kind of realistically depict the violence the yeah but one thing i really liked was i didn't see a sign of any there was no cgi assisted blood, blood splatter yeah, it yeah. was squibs and it was it was <laughs> sacks of meat getting blown open and yeah. there's one part in particular where uh, a horse gets shot and just it's a really quick shot it looked but real. it looked really gory yeah. it looked real and um, it looked very gory and uh <clears throat> I mean, I think that 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 kind of violence, yeah, it's just it's 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 a, it's impossible for me not to have a complicated response to this movie because yeah. it's there was violence that was cool because it was being visited on really nasty people, mm-hmm. but you see that f- five six times that you know you keep revisiting that idea of seeing this kind of payback and it's this gory payback. At some point, the revenge you start to see that a re- revenge is kind of an ugly. Yeah, too. It's, it's, I think it's the one terrible. thing that saves the movie from seeming like it was getting too dark was the fact that the the love story, which is really, I mean, I, to call it a love story is kind of an exaggeration because Carrie Washington's character, the character of Django's wife, Broomhelda, who they're kind of trying to rescue as the movie as that becomes the main thrust of the plot, mm-hmm. um, like. She's not much of a character. She has maybe 10 lines. She's basically kind of a damsel in distress, which, yeah. can, you know, I don't have anything wrong with the notion of someone being in a position where they need to be saved. But I think mm-hmm. it is surprising in a modern movie to see a female character where they don't write in some attempt to sort of show her gaining power over her situation. Right. But if you take away that sort of qualification, I thought the romance between these two characters was actually really sweet. Yeah. And the way it was handled was really sweet. And it maybe took a little bit of the sting away from some of that the gory revenge yeah. because at the heart of it is a man trying to get, get his woman back. And I think that that was universal, you know, that, I mean, it did have like, like Ronald said, it is important that we've got the backdrop of slavery, but the real thrust of the story is not about, it's not Lincoln. It's right. not about let's right, free right. the slaves. It's yeah. about, I, you know, I want to free this one person, save this one person. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's really cool that, um, Quentin Tarantino created this movie. Um, cause it, you have to understand, uh, culturally how damning all of that stuff was. And some people forget. Some people don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't know, don't understand, and this movie creates some dialogue. And I think that's enough. You don't have to be preachy. Having a movie that takes place during this time is enough to create enough dialogue about 
what it is. And I love it. Christoph Waltz was so good in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I love I love the scene where like they first meet each other and they're in like the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they first start talking, and he's like, I don't believe in slavery, but I kind of like that it puts us in this position for you to help me. Yeah. Which is a really messed up thing to say. Well, that character's morality is all is is I don't I was gonna say is all over the place. It's not that it's all over the place, it's just that his morality is very situational. Like he he clearly was disgusted with slavery. Yeah. But in this moment, it meant I have a reason to at least require you to sit down and hear me out right now. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the way I want to play this. That's you pretty know? cool. I thought it was because it's, again, it's not like they didn't create this moralistic, he's not this character who's obsessed with freeing other people. I mm-hmm. mean, he was a bounty hunter. I mean, Christoph Waltz is, is, is a played as kind of a character with a moral center, but what he's doing, I mean, it's very clear in the movie that he would much rather kill someone than bring them in alive. Yeah. And that if he could make a dollar, he doesn't care who the person is. So it's like he's not a person who you're supposed to admire as like this paragon of moral purity. Yeah, I was I thought it was kind of interesting that just you take it. Uh, he's he's European and he's disgusted with this practice of slavery. He seems to be able to see how barbaric slavery is. Yeah, the that scene where he's talking to him in the, in the him in a bar and what what follows is equal to or greater than the scene in Inglorious Bastards, which is. To me, one of the best dialogue. You don't like that first scene? Oh, I love that scene. I'm questioning whether it could actually rival that scene. It's it's pretty great. It's pretty really? great because you. It sets the what tone. scene is this? Um, so it, there's it, a scene in Django. In Django, um, after he, you know that that scene you've seen a million times when he frees him. Yeah. When he shoots the guy down and the but there's a scene after that where they go to the first town where you see how they operate. Okay. They sit in a bar and have a conversation where he offers him. His freedom, Got it. the offer, and all that stuff. But <clears throat> it's pretty great. Like okay. it's pretty great seeing that dialogue, and then everything that's happening on the outside, and him dealing with it in a way that just doesn't seem normal. Like he's like, "Why the fuck? Why are you so calm about this?" And it's so you get to understand who he is as a person, and then their their friendship gets pretty amazing yeah, after yeah. a while like, like it gets like for, it goes from like just uh, a proposition where he's he's a a part in his plan right to something else where he becomes like a an integral part in how this guy survives well i mean it goes from schultz the the christoph waltz character kind of needing Django for something but all from the beginning, there's a little bit of mutual respect there. He's basically saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do this thing for me, and I would love it if you want to do it." It's kind of what he says yeah. to him, like, "Like I'm kind of expecting you to do this thing, but it seems like I could get you on my side, so hear me out." And then they go from so he goes from Django helping him to Django kind of becoming his partner to him deciding to help Django, and I think that's really when the plot line that I mean, as far as getting to. Uh, Candyland, which is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character's plantation. Right. That whole scenario, that's like halfway into the movie. So you've had this whole other chance to watch their char- those two characters kind of relate and become... And I, it's not really an exaggeration to call it a buddy movie. I mean, it really yeah. is like you get to see them... You almost want to see more of that. Like I almost want to yeah. see more of them just being bounty hunters and going around and kicking ass in in the old west. You know? Seeing the reasons why they seeing the also seeing the reasons why they connect also is pretty cool as it develops. It's not just like and since it's Tarantino, it's all set to a Jim Croce song as they ride out of town. <laughs> it's uh, I Don Johnson, yeah, also Big Daddy, and man, every character in it was like. Incredible. I I would go so far as to say that this is is this is this the Here word? It, goes. it is, is this a, the word. It is a masterpiece. Oh, that's the word. It is a masterpiece. It's it better than Inglorious Bastards. John, I couldn't call it a masterpiece because I had. I would. I mean, it's almost like before I could say masterpiece, I'd have to see it again. But it's like I and also as a sort of great appreciator of Quentin Tarantino. I have not mm. found anything that he's made since, say, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction to quite eclipse 
those two movies overall for me. I mean, it's Pulp Fiction like, is incredible. I mean, I, I, and, Kit, and certain things about those movies have aged, but I mean, it's like I love Jackie Brown. I liked. A you don't lot. like Kill Bill? I think Kill Bill is like. I love Jackie Brown. I liked. I I, I love parts of Kill Bill. Uh-huh. Like I, I liked part two more than part one. Yeah, I mean, and I think if the two, if I ever saw the two of them together in the in the you know the edit that was yeah. supposed to, was supposed I to might I might have liked that. Uh, right. Um, and then I thought that Inglorious Bastards was like a kind of a return to form by that standard because I th- also thought Death Proof was kind of a mess. So in that sense, I was like, this movie to me, it does not really fall from the from the heights of Inglorious Bastards for me at all. I, I mean, I think that if if anything, this movie is is damaged a little bit by the fact that it follows the same sort of. It's almost like you can see it as oh, it's another attempt at the very similar thing that uh, Inglorious Bastards did, yeah. except this right. time with slavery instead of Nazis. Yeah. But I, I think that's really the only problem based on that. And uh, the other thing is, it's interesting to see Christoph Waltz play uh, yet another character who kind of talks his way through every situation, but in a totally different way. This yeah, character's yeah. equally fun to watch as his character in Inglorious Bastards, but for totally different reasons. Um, so yeah, it's tough to say. I don't think I could have figure out my overall rating for this, except to say that it's an interesting movie that is really interesting to talk about. Um, and I know I'm going to see it again. Same. And I think that I like it the more I think about it, but I also, the problems I had with certain things, like they sort of stick around too. But I mean, I don't, again, I don't think Tarantino makes a black exploitation revenge film about slavery and doesn't expect it to start conversations. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that like the whole, I, I don't, I don't think you're supposed to just think this movie was a lot of fun or just think it was thought provoking. I think it's supposed to be kind of all those things at once. And in that sense, it, like I said, it's impossible to have a simple response. Yeah. I think sometimes the movie does seem to try to make it a really simple matter of just, Hey, doesn't it make you feel better to watch these guys you get destroyed, get yeah. destroyed. But at the same time, it does make you feel a little bit better to watch those watch those guys get destroyed. So it's like you see what I'm saying though about yeah. how it kind of has it both ways. It's both providing you like a really simple uh, uh, something to kind of satisfy your bloodlust, but it's also it's also leaving you with these thornier, more complicated thoughts. And I think that uh, um, particularly with characters like Samuel L. Jackson's character, the notion that the the sort of Uncle Tom character is more detestable than than the white guy that he works for. Yeah, because he, he is is a really interesting notion to me. You know, he's the backbone of his ideas too. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 reinforced. It's it's so weird. Like he's like the embodiment of all those all those ideas because he reinforces them. Because there there are times when he's like, uh, I mean, he really plays Mr. a role. Candy's like, like super duper lenient about something, and he's like, well. Yeah. Well, why would you let them do that? Yeah. And then he and then he like kind of what's really cool too is like it's a layer. I mean, let's face it, that is a character that sticks with you. Like that Yeah, that, it's a layer. You almost of, feel sorry for that guy. He's for, awful. You know what I mean? He's all, he's like, awful. Do you know what I mean about yeah, you yeah. almost like you know that he he has found Steven, the Samuel L. Jackson character, has found a way of coping with this situation he's in. He's found a way to cling to this little modicum of power. It's by being next to the guy. Mm-hmm that he gets all his power from. And so, and the fact that he's like been worked, he's worked on this plantation for what, 76 years. Did you say at some point in there, he's part of this, he's a product of this awful, awful system that has destroyed his humanity. And yet he's found a way to kind of cling to a certain level of comfort and power. I just find that, I mean, that's so interesting. And the fact that you end up in the movie, seeing him as kind of like, like as far as Django is concerned, especially um, a much more despicable figure than the guy who's just, Sleaze from you know the, it, like you know what I'm saying like the, the big moment in the movie is not what happens <laughs> yeah. to Leonardo DiCaprio it's what happens to Samuel L. Jackson yeah. and it's also who's visiting out which punishment too I think it's crucial to notice that it's pretty interesting there's there's a scene where like uh, well one thing that's really cool is uh, you realize that their relationship has two layers there's the public one which is still you know Mr. Yeah. Candy being in charge. But you know, but there's a scene. You know the scene where they go in the back. They're yeah. physically on the same level, talking to each other. So it changes. The, the dynamic is very different. And in that, in that moment, you get the sense that Stephen is actually smarter than Candy, significantly, because he's able to kind of use Candy's insecurity about people thinking he's not that smart. Yeah. He's able to, you know what I mean? He plants the seed he's that he's being played for a full. I don't know. All yeah. that was really that stuff was so. It's it's so exciting just to kind of talk about that. I was like any any thought that. Uh, 
Like the fact that I can't easily categorize my feelings about this movie has more to do with everything it gives you and everything it gives oh, you to think yeah. about. It's and heavy. almost nothing to do with like the few little technical problems I had with it. Like, I mean, specifically Quentin Tarantino's acting in that one. So even if he, he was, was a no-name actor, you would have said, who was right. that one guy that Who's couldn't act fuck? in this he movie was, full of people that can act? This is the thing. Like, his his Australian accent was so bad in comparison to yeah, the Yeah, why did actor. he give himself an accent on top of being him? I would have, I would have <laughs> rather him have a deep South. Yeah. He could have done that. But this this thing, this Australian accent that he had was unbearable. And maybe that's why he had a, that small... He cut himself out of it, most of it. Yeah. It was just very, like, ugh. Well, I mean, you know, I think he he knows what he's doing at that point. Like, there was an audience reaction when they saw that it was him. Like, people yeah. know who Quentin Tarantino is, and I think in terms of a director, that right there says says a lot about him that yeah. that he is a famous director. That doesn't always happen. Like, I mean, there's there's Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese, but in terms of most directors of the last twenty years, they don't have a name recognition the way he does. Yeah. The one thing about Tarantino that I think is kind of frustrating sometimes is that because everything is a reference to something. Anytime I see something where I'm like, I don't like that font. Why did he choose that font? I feel like I can't criticize it because someone's going to tell me, oh, that's the font they used on Blood in the Dust from 1972 that had this moment in it. But sometimes I do wonder if the constant kind of referring and stuff, if that, if, does that hurt the movie? Does that make it less original or? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you yeah, ever feel yeah. like it's, it's a weird thing to like these movies, but not to have watched all the grindhouse films that he's that he may be lifting characters and lines yeah. and everything. From? It's like uh, there's a there's an article um, about Kill Bill and there's uh, the, the list is like 100. No, no, I'm sorry, like 250. References to mm-hmm. other things. How the fuck could you have known all that stuff? Like it's it references. That's probably over a hundred things that he references in this movie Mm -hmm. that we probably have no idea about that he has in his head. He's like, (laughs) this is really cool that I'm putting this in there. But for what it is, for what it was, man, it was, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, and I'm hypersensitive about like, I thought they would use the N word too much and they used it a lot, but it still wasn't. It seem it would seem almost disingenuous not to have these characters yeah, using these were, the word they would have used. You know, this so. is the this is the time where they would have used it excessively. Yeah, um, yeah. Did, did you notice that uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio broke that glass with his his hand? Mm-hmm. I and never they, noticed. I didn't realize that until I, I left the movie there. I was like, he crushed that thing with his. He just smashed it. Well, supposedly they kept shooting after he cut his hand, and they just kept it in. I've never seen anything like that before. But I mean, like, for instance, that dinner table scene, you could argue that went on a little too long. You could also yeah. argue that what made it cool was that it went on for so long. And I think it's full of little touches like that, where yeah. it's like, I, I, I think this movie works a kind of magic on you on a scene by scene basis. If you add it all up, I'll say what I've said about every movie I've seen lately, which is I don't know that it, it couldn't have lost 20 minutes and not have been. But it's like, what mo- what would you cut? I think it was one of those know. things like uh I think Quintantino is uh an interesting person. That that line is essentially that whole scene was essentially what I think he thinks that people think about black people. Mm-hmm. That whole like rec- this theme, like this inferiority, and this is why I believe this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so weird. phrenology was uh, taken it's, seriously for a long time as yeah. far as like people thinking you could tell from the shape of someone's skull whether they were going to be a criminal or not. Yeah, you know, it's very weird um, stuff. I, I, before we leave the topic, I do think the movie, one thing it did that was kind of interesting was the way that it really approaches that idea of the quote unquote Southern gentleman and like <laughs> what's behind that. Yeah, I mean, that's not is. to say there was never a genteel Southern gentleman who actually was a, yeah. a gentleman, but the notion that they show it in the movie to be the civil mask on just these totally reprehensible people, like a man mm-hmm. who says, you know, a Southerner always shakes his hand when he makes a deal. It's like, that seems like a gentlemanly thing. But when you look at everything else this guy's into, yeah. it's impossible to find anything he does, you know, uh, civilized. So yeah. in that sense, I thought it was really interesting that like DiCaprio's character and to a lesser extent, Don Johnson's character are just this, the takedown of this idea of the, you know, the nice, the nice plantation owner, the kind of idea that, yeah. that there was any room for humanity in those, in those creeps. So. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, maybe a double feature, maybe Lincoln and this, (laughs) and you'll come out perfectly balanced. Right, right. (laughs) Um, I thought it was great. I want to see it again. Yeah. Um, 
Steve, I recommend that you see it. Yeah. I, I plan to see it. <laughs> cool. So you may not have had this movie on your radar. No, I've never heard of it. I know it a lot of film fans aren't aren't I never aren't interested. I didn't even but, know we had a new movie out. Right, it's right. weird. But I bet Steve Tank. was thinking, you know, 20 minutes could be cut out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that this podcast wouldn't flow a little better. I don't know where you would cut them out, but yeah. sure. No. Obviously it's a conversation starter, so. Yeah. <laughs> see the movie. That's we, we didn't were you texting it to somebody? See the movie. Uh, see the movie. Yeah. I actually was texting a person that went with me last night. We didn't even get to the uh, the, the threatened castration. Oh man, grabbing dicks and cutting off dicks. Why? Why do you ain't gonna threaten people with dick cutting off? And that was. You're <laughs> <laughs> so articulate, Ronald. It's probably because of dick cutting off. It's probably Why? because of the, the awkwardness of the phrase "dick cutting off" and that someone came up with the word castration. <laughs> right. Easier to say. Nick it sounds, it sounds nicer. Call something else. Nick cutting off. <laughs> the proprietors of this entertainment wish for you to know that they are well aware that castration is defined as removing a man's testes from his body and not his penis or tallywhacker. The removal of the tallywhacker or ding dong is still known by the age-old nomenclature, dick cutting often. I now return you to this episode of Movish Movie, an episode which I do fear has already begun to scamper away from us. Oh, oh man. I think I had some cheese today. Just... You don't remember? <laughs> with my stomach. Somebody just like... So you don't remember if you had cheese, but also, is that your? Is that how you explain all behavior? Oh, man. That's got to be this the cheese. Gassiness is, yeah. is right Somehow here. I ingested it. A ridiculous person. So yeah, this is uh I think that's it, right? Episode fifty six. Is that what <laughs> that's how we end them? <laughs> Just abruptly. I like how you tied it up right there. Uh, <laughs> so gentle and delicate and right. cared for the ending so much. <laughs> so yeah, Lay Miz, I'd skip it. Maybe if you're a big musical fan, go see it. I mean, it's a movie that you're gonna probably hear about for mm-hmm. the next couple months because of all the awards that are mm-hmm. it may get nominated for. It's been nominated for a handful of Golden Globes already. But I don't know. It wasn't really my cup of tea. So that was the theme of this episode. Skip it. Skip it, rent it, rent it, Jack Reacher, Jack Reacher, <laughs> see it, see it. Yeah, I think Django you should in the movies. Django crowd. and Cheney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Django. I'm going to not say anything and see how long it goes without being like awkward silence if I don't fill it with something. Oh, goodness. Yes. Uh, so that's our. Uh, Where can people find us, Ronald? Movieshmovie.net. <laughs> Twitter.com. I'm leaving these breadcrumbs for you just right towards the end of this Facebook. episode. Facebook.com/slash/moviesmovie. You can Twitter us, you can Google us, but bitch, don't forget about us. Mixcloud also. Please don't forget about us on Mixcloud. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes, um, and that's it, right? That's, Sounds good to me. Those are all the networks. Pinterest also. Mm, Pinterest. Pinterest. Mm-hmm. While you're there, you could find a nice chocolate chip cookie recipe. You could. Paint your walls with yep. a nice vertical stripe. Who knows? And a random picture of Rihanna. <laughs> so, Yeah, so hit us up on the social <laughs> networks. Uh, this has been the Movie Schmovie Podcast, episode 56. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you've made our day. Bye. <laughs> Is that really the, that's really how we're gonna, that just feels wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs>